Welcome to the Winging It Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond, where every Monday I'll be joined by guests to talk about their travel stories, travel tips, backpacking advice, and so much more. Right now, I'm taking the podcast on the road traveling with me. So tune in every week for short form episodes detailing all my travels alongside my Monday guest episode. Are you a backpacker, traveler, gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. This is a casual, informative podcast designed for you to inspire you to travel. There'll be stories to tell, tips to share, and experiences to inspire. Welcome to the show. Hey, yeah, just a quick one. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with TeePublic, where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as t-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast, and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling, podcasts, and other stuff. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to this first episode of my Lebanon series. So I travelled to Lebanon as we speak last week and it's an unbelievably intense, fun trip with a lot of learning experiences, a lot of people met, understanding it was tough, different factions, rivalries, no government, the explosion, the crisis, the COVID stuff, all the above was a bit of an intense eight days to work out. But I'm going to try and break down in a few episodes what I did what I saw, also who I met, and give a bit of perspective of what I thought uh, Lebanon was. So this first episode is going to be Beirut. Uh, I think there's a lot to cover there in Beirut. I started the first three to four days in Beirut, and I finished with my last day in Beirut too. So after Turkey, me and Emma separated, Emma went to Greece, I jumped on the flight to Beirut to join my tour with 100 Rotus Vigans, who are a Portuguese travel tour company run by the fantastic Francisco, a real top guy. And these were recommended to me by Angela Santos, a previous guest twice on the podcast. And I thought, you know what? I've never done a tour group before. Let's book one in. Let's do Lebanon. It's with a local guy called Jao, who's Portuguese, but lives in Beirut. I thought it could be a real immersive local perspective on the whole country. And it definitely was. My taxi driver picked me up, he's called H, and he told me all about Beirut, asked some questions, he told me a few bits of Arabic to say, and he took me to my hostel called Mesh Mosh, which is on the Garoud Street area of Beirut, and this street is actually one of the streets that bored the front of the explosion that happened uh, a few years ago, and that has got its own story. But first of all, the hostel was happening Lots of people there, either visiting to eat and drink, or people staying there, obviously. It's got a bar, it's got a restaurant attached to that as well. It's got loads of rooms, dorms, private rooms. It's got balconies, it's got a separate building for more rooms. A real great hotel slash hostel, and a private room would cost you 50 US dollars. After checking in, I thought I'd go and check out the street. The taxi driver said this is like one street that leads on to the Armenian area, a bit further on. But I thought I'd take a walk and go for a coffee and a brunch. And I went to a place called the Urbanista, 
for brunch. And it's a very Western calf. Coffees are around two to $2.50. And brunch was about six to seven US dollars. Had a great scrambled egg with some salad and bread. And obviously got my coffee in. You want to really pay in Lebanese lira slash pound. And here's a top tip for Lebanese straight off the bat. The exchange rate officially is 1,500 to one if you pay by card. But don't pay by card. Take cash and exchange it. Because on the street, it's 100,000 to one. You're probably thinking, what the hell does that mean? Basically, what that means is on the street is reflective of real society. And a coffee is going to cost you $2. But if you pay by card $2, you're actually going to get charged what they see as the street value of the dollar. So pay cash because there's 100,000 to one around that. Don't pay by card because in theory, if you're paying on the street value, let's say $2 for a coffee, that'd be 200,000 lira. If you put that in a card machine at the official exchange rate, you're going to get charged a heck of a lot of money for a coffee. Do the maths there, not great. So what you need to do is take euros or US dollars preferably and get them changed out there. That's what I did. Paid in cash for my brunch. Happy days. There are a few odd places that will take card and give you what the dollar rate is. What I mean by that is Meshmosh Hotel, for example. I decided to pay card for my room because they charged me 50 US dollars, not exchange rate for the lira. So I paid by card. Absolutely fine. Bit of a mindfuck. Just bear that in mind when you go to Lebanon. Rest of the day, I waited for Angela and Francisco, who were coming from the Syria tour group that they'd just been on to arrive into the hostel and they arrived about 7pm and I had a great dinner and met Angela for the first time in person and also Francisco. We had a chat, had some food, some drinks, really nice chat until midnight. Great to see and meet some new people. The next day was not actually the start at all. This was the start of the part where people arrive into Beirut at different times depending where you're flying from and what airlines you fly with. But already there was a cluster of four or five of us at Meshmosh, and also Elder arrived later. So Jao decided to meet us about midday and take us on a pre-tour, Beirut tour. And that was really cool because we got to see some unexpected things on this day. First of all, parked our bags up, left them there at Meshmosh, and we walked off to see some sights. What you first realise where Meshmosh is, is the building damage from the explosion. Now, if you're rich and you've got money, it seems like you can repair the damage and get going again. If you've got no insurance or no money whatsoever, the buildings are just left. And that's exactly what we saw. And as we made our way down to the poor area, the devastation is actually quite incredible. And you can't even imagine how big this explosion was. It was really, quite honestly, shocking. And when you see buildings that are huge with no windows and just absolutely devastated you begin to question what the earth happened there but we made our way to martyrs square and this is a square where revolutions seem to gather and there's a whatsapp revolution that gathered there any protests seem to gather there too and we also popped into the main mosque there which is called the Muhammad al-amin mosque and right behind it there is the cathedral too and actually we're allowed in for i think it's the praying at this time Ramadan was happening too, also in Lebanon. And there was a window of maybe 15, 20 minutes where they allowed us in to go and see. And Jao said that's very unheard of. And I don't think he's taken a tour group into that mosque. So we quickly got our shoes off, walked around and then basked in the absolute glory of this mosque. And felt really appreciative that we're allowed in. 
great to see it. And it's just an incredible spectacle. I actually thought it looked better than the one in Turkey, if I'm honest. Not sure what that is, but they do normally close this mosque only for prayers and not for visitors. So we're extremely lucky. Had a nice five, ten minutes in there. And also we met Elder, who was part of our group for Lebanon at the mosque too. So we all enjoyed that. And then wandered off behind into the digital nomad area, which is kind of like the new area of Beirut downtown, where they're building new buildings for people to kind of remotely work in them. But that wasn't the main part of the next bit of the tour because we're going to go to the area behind called Bashura. And this area is a very heavily dominated by Shia Muslim people. And it's kind of labelled in brackets there as a dangerous area. And general Beirutans don't go into this area because they're probably scared of what's going to happen. But Jao knew a few people in this area, took us through so we can go and meet some people. And we stopped off at a lunch place first because we're a bit hungry. A guy called Hassan and his place, which he served lunch, like shawarmas and stuff like that. He basically had a grill outside his shop, cooked the meat there, prepared it for you and gave it to you. You can even buy alcohol from his shop. He's a very liberal Shia person. Even though he is aware that he is in an area that's doing Ramadan at the time, this is the only food place during Ramadan you can get food. So a lot of people were turning up, getting some food, and he also drinks beer, so he's very liberal in that sense. After an awesome chicken kebab slash shawarma at Hassan's, we then popped to his mum's because we needed a toilet. And that ended up being a coffee and a chat with his sister as well and her kid, who spoke very good English, French and Arabic, I believe. And we actually just sat there for probably 40 minutes, I reckon, talking about Lebanon, life, all the above. And coffee was quite strong, to be fair. Loved it. And that was really great to meet some local people and also just get to hear a bit of a story about Lebanon and Beirut life. Then we wandered around the back of the corner, saw one of the oldest residents in the area. He's about 100. Said hello to him and he invited us around for coffee for a few days' time, which we did, which I'll come to in a bit. There's also a huge area for gravestones for anyone, but there's a huge area there. And made our way back via a guitar shop. So we met this French guy who serves this guitar custom-made shop to people guess who buys guitars or needs repairs. And that was really interesting because he's a French guy who stayed in Beirut, loves it, loves the wood there, and spends all day repairing guitars. And his name is called Olivier Gored. Had a chat with him, had a bit of a play on the guitar, and strolled back towards the hostel. Went out to a restaurant called Tea Marbuta, which is a traditional Lebanese food place near our new hotel which is called the Mayflower Hotel. This was our base for the next pretty much week or so. Anytime we're in Beirut, we're staying there. And I was shown with the great guy, Francisco. And we quickly gained a rapport and understanding, and that was great. And this was a cool hotel, right in the centre of a different part of Beirut, near Pigeon Rocks, around that part of town. But equally cool to go and experience it and check out the local area. The next day was actually the official day one of the tour and that's when the rest of the group arrived. We met at breakfast next morning and I got my first English breakfast of the trip. Unreal. Of the whole trip that is, not just this one. And we all come together to meet. So there's me, Francisco, Alder, Miguel, Luisa and Christina. It was great to meet those guys. They had a pretty late flight. Got some breakfast on the go and met Jao to go and experience Beirut. We walked the local area around the Mayflower Hotel. And what you notice about Lebanon is the art. I'm not a huge art fan, but Lebanese art has a meaning. 
and they're pretty well drawn. I love their little sayings on the art. I love what they mean, who they're kind of pointing towards. It really gives you perspective of what the people are thinking, what the current situation is, past events. And it kind of gives you a feel like uh, I'm understanding this place now. I know what they're trying to say through art. There's so much to take in and digest in Beirut and in Lebanon that this is a good way to start with. And on this day, we're going to walk around similar areas to the day before for the new people in the group. The first thing we went to was downtown area and the Blue Mosque, which was great to see again. Went to the Shia area and had coffee with that old guy that I mentioned before. He's got 75 grandchildren. I think that day, one of those had some twins. And he's a super, super guy. He's also called Hassan. And his daughter there is called Kandak. And it's just great to speak to this guy. He is absolutely switched on, knows what's going on, shown us his coin collection, his money collection, telling us about the politics previously. He was there for the Civil War in the 70s and 80s. He was there for independence as well. So he's got a great perspective throughout the whole history of modern Lebanon. So after coffee, we left there and walked to this really strange area, which is kind of in downtown near the government buildings. It's like a deserted shopping mall. Now, during the WhatsApp revolution, which happened before the explosion, uh, a bit backstory there is the government tried to introduce uh, a law to pay $5 a month for WhatsApp. People kicked off. Revolution began in Tripoli, trickled down to Beirut. Everyone kicked off out in the streets, kicked the government out. There's now no government and or president. But once that happened, there was this weird thing where sort of the rich neighborhoods were probably targeted and looted and kicked out and this area was just street after street of expensive or were expensive shops now kind of nothing there apart from security from the military but you can walk through it and there's nothing's going actually by and there's a church in there too called set george's cathedral and you can go in there and also have a look at the Roman ruins behind it that's pretty cool too i think you could still feel there's a bit of division in the air between the christians and the muslims about who should be president, how the country should run. Definitely divide there, and I think you could just feel it in the air a little bit. But after leaving that part of town, we then went to another part of town, which is kind of in South Beirut, and it's called the Shatila area. And we got to see the local area by our guide, Aya, A-J-A, and her friend Hannah, who showed us around. And on this few hours, we get to see the Palestinian side of Lebanon, and it's kind of linked to Hezbollah group. And hear their stories. They showed us the Shatila massacre site, which is pretty grim. We got to hear about them, about the whole Palestinian situation. The people were super friendly. Showed us their area. Aya invited us in for coffee into their home. Great to speak with them. All the kids seemed to be in really good moods, running around. And it's obviously clear who they supported in terms of the little cadet group or the scout group that we saw. But what I can get a sense here is a community and the togetherness of this group of people for one cause, and that's kind of freedom, really, essentially. And also a bit of recognition. These areas are not recommended to go to by any of the probably government agencies that you see online. But when you go there through contacts, we were just met with humidity, smiles, hellos, and it's great to kind of mingle with different type of people and hearing different types of stories. A real cool part of this little trip was seeing the Palestinian Museum. And the reason this is amazing is because this guy has got this, basically this garage or room, shed type thing, with all the artefacts that are Palestinian and no one else. And it's just like all these old stuff in there. There's a load of books, there's a load of 
just like cutlery, mugs, irons, pictures, all the things you can think of. And we spent probably about 20 minutes, half an hour in there, just talking, looking at all the stuff. It's not really open to the public, but it is open to Palestinians who visit the area. They go and check that out. So maybe we were one of the first people to go and check that out who were not Palestinian. That was pretty cool. Quite a lot to take in that day. Lots of different people, different areas, different perspectives, heartbreaking stories, inspirational stories, all this sort of stuff. And we made our way out of Shatila, which during Ramadan, according to Jao, seems quite quiet um, because the streets weren't packed with markets and stuff. And we made our way back to the hotel and also back to the same place for dinner as the night before. We're ready next day after our breakfast for another day in Beirut. And this time we're going to see some different stuff. And the first building we saw is a weird building because it came viral on TikTok and social media. It's called the Grudge Building, or if you want the other term, the Fuck You Building. And it's this really thin building built by a brother to block his brother's view of the sea because he's a bit jealous. And it's just super thin. You can barely fit in it. It's now derelict. No one's in it. But a symbol of the times in Beirut and Lebanon because it's called the Fuck You Building because of the story behind it. But it's also related to the government and how shit they are. We had a little stroll on a thing called the Corniche, which is basically a promenade along the seaside, flat. And this is an area in Beirut where anyone can walk, no matter what type you are, what person you are, what faction you're part of. It's one of the few places where there's no judgment. Everyone comes together, walks along in a sunny evening or sunny day. And we walked along there, around to the yacht club. There's not very many people there. The yacht club seems a bit deserted. Again, it's normally people with money. And this town seems to be derelict of money at the minute. But you still see buildings and projects going on. There's lots of unfinished buildings. There's lots of new buildings going up. It's just a bit of a strange vibe. And in that same area, we walked around again around the, the mosque and the Blue Mosque area. And there was a protest going on. And this protest was by the older men in Beirut. No affiliation to any religious group. These are veterans or retirees who are not getting paid by the government. Not surprised by that because the government does nothing based on what I've learned so far at this time in Beirut. And they were there with a couple of people on the microphones kind of ramping up a little bit. The military was there with their water cannon and riot shields. And I just felt towards about half an hour in, they were starting to move to a different location and you can feel the tension rising a little bit. And we kind of left pretty quickly after that. And the funny thing that happened in this protest is it started to piss down with rain. And a lot of them were like, nah, I'm sacking this off and kind of left. <laughs> the rain stopped the protest in a, in a sense. But actually later on, they kind of went back and it got slightly out of control, but nothing too bad. But we did leave before that, thankfully. And then we moved to one of my favourite parts of the whole trip in Lebanon, but also definitely Beirut. We moved to the Armenian sector, which is quite near, I guess, Meshmash Hotel, but a bit further on, to go and meet a woman called Arpi, a fantastic woman with an unbelievable story, especially of her parents who escaped the Turkish genocide for the Armenians. The route it took to leave there and to settle different places, and they settled in Lebanon. And she was there in this community house that she built, which has got lots of art in there. It's got a nice kitchen in there and a place to eat food. And she sat with us with a heap of lot of food and told us an unbelievable amount of stories. Great to know her, see all her stuff. And the food was incredible. One thing in Lebanon is you're going to get fed very, very well. And this food ultimately always ends up with being too much. But we ate as much as we could. And the food in Lebanon is like baba ganoush, chickpeas, chicken shawarma, 
bread, Turkish coffee, potatoes, all this random stuff. You've got to go on my social media to look at it all. I'm not even sure of all the names. But we tucked in as much as we could. And RP was that happy with our visit and what we said to her and shared with her. Uh, she got a little bit emotional saying she loved the connection of the group with her. Uh, I stood up, gave her a bit of a hug, got a photo with her, an inspirational woman and someone you've got to go and see and meet. And she is in the area called Borj Hamoud. Uh, not too hard to find. You can walk around there. You probably need to just probably ask for RP and they'll show you her little community building. It really is worth visiting. In this area, I also had a street coffee. Now, I told you about the street value compared to the official value of money. The street value for a coffee is 30000 So you, you compare that to street value, it's about 30 cents. And what you find in Beirut and Lebanon as a whole is people got proper espresso machines, maybe only one or two handles. What they do is they get the coffee, they bash it in, get the machine going, and that makes your coffee. I had loads of these in Lebanon, and they all tasted fantastic. Got my first one there, got a video of it, put it on social media. Check it out. And to finish off this day, we walked back around to the port area to get closer to the port, actually, and go and see the last kind of building that was causing the explosion. Interesting sight in itself. But the harrowing sight of the wall... They've painted and put photos up of everyone who died in the explosion. And it's quite awful because the wall just carries on and on and on. I've never met or heard or seen a government who do absolutely nothing for their people. And these guys have done nothing for the people of the explosion. They're still protesting about it. They still don't know why it happened, how it happened. No compensation, no nothing. And I really do feel for the people there of Beirut, especially the ones that bore the front of that. Absolutely harrowing. Uh, Jao explained to us what happened to him when he was in this building, but luckily he had his windows open. There was no glass that was shattered and kind of sprawled out towards him, uh, but he was jumped off his feet by the explosion and how powerful that was. You can only imagine the horrors of other people who didn't survive. We then met Jao's wife, Soha, in the evening for the first time. Uh, she lives in Beirut and is from Lebanon, and she took us to a real great restaurant in an area in South Beirut, and this was for Iftar. So Ramadan happens at the end. They have a big, huge feast and celebrate in style. And this place served an unbelievable amount of food. It wasn't helped by the fact that at lunch we had an unbelievable amount of food. But we'd done our best. Had some great soup, some great chicken, some great tea and some dessert. And the setting was absolutely incredible. Really loved that. Great to get in there. Enjoy the festivities of Iftar and feel the vibe. Really enjoyed that. So that was the first three or four days in Lebanon, in Beirut. Fantastic sights, fantastic people, fantastic food. Learned a lot. And it was really an intense period to try and understand this country to begin with. The rest of the tour was visiting other places in Lebanon. Then I'll come back round to Beirut in the last episode of this series. But what I learned so far is the coffee is great. The food is immense. The explosion is terrible. The government is shite. People are not happy, there's divisions, the money situation is chaotic, but it kind of works in a weird way. There's self-governing and there's a kind of a calmness at the minute to it. I know in recent days that's kind of gone a bit AWOL in the south, but in Beirut it kind of is getting on with it. New buildings, derelict buildings, it's just a bit weird to work out. Trendy coffees, cheap coffees, western prices, local prices local areas, western areas. It's a really mixed kind of place. 
but it's a bustling city. I enjoyed my first three days there, but I was ready to go and see other parts of the country at the end of that Beirut day. And I'll come to that in the next episode of this series. Any questions, let me know. On my social media, I've got some things about Beirut. You can check that out on Instagram or TikTok. And yeah, I hope that inspires you to maybe think about Beirut. And I'll move on to the rest of Lebanon in my next episodes. Cheers.